0: Well, good morning, everybody. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to our uh, online service here at Impact Life Church. We're thrilled and honored that you joined us uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to continue talking about a life of honor here at Impact Life Church. And, you know, especially in the season and the time that we're living in, uh, this is something that the Lord's just been stirring in my heart again, is that we actually just go back to some of these fundamental truths that we've heard. Maybe you've heard them before. Maybe you haven't heard them. Regardless of the situation, you know, the word of God actually tells us to continue to go back to some of these basic truths because we don't want any of them to slip. And you can find that in Hebrews chapter two. We don't want any of the word of God to slip from our lives, to slip from our minds, and so every once in a while you got to refresh yourself again. And so that's what we're doing especially in this time and in the season that we're living in is just talking about a life of honor and winning the heart of God and understanding that God is a God of honor. And before we get started in you know in all of that I want to just again lay a little bit of a foundation for what we are discussing and the reason why we're discussing it you know right now especially the days that we're living in it is so important for us as believers as Christians As a church, regardless of where you're watching from, regardless of what church you're a part of, it is crucial that we be walking with God. And what do I mean by walking with God? It simply just means that we are people that know His ways. We understand why God does what He does. We understand the ways of God, not just necessarily His acts. And I think that is a wonderful way to really look at it. When I say walking with God, it's really that we understand the ways of God. And Psalm 103 in verse seven, and it says this, that, uh, you unveiled to Moses your plans and you showed Israel's sons what you could do. You know, other translations say it like this, that you have actually revealed your character to Moses and you showed your acts to the children of Israel. What is the difference between Moses And the children of Israel is Moses knew the character of God he knew why God did what he did and Israel and all the people simply just saw his acts they saw the demonstrations of what God could do now it's great to see the demonstrations it's great to see the actions of God but more importantly I want to be in Moses shoes, where I actually see his character I know why God does what he does because I know his heart I know his ways therefore I always know how he's going to act Right, it's so important, you know. A lot of times, even for Christians, we get so focused on I want to know. I, I'm looking for the outcome. I'm expecting the outcome to happen. But you know, what, when you start focusing on the ways of God, you know, the outcome it's going to happen no matter what. But a lot of times, when you're focusing on the outcome, you spend so much time on how God's going to do it. When in fact, our faith and our trust should be in who He is. You know, in um, Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, it says, "This Lord, when you said to me, seek My face." My inner being responded, I am seeking your face with all my heart. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I I for sure am wanting to always be one. I don't want to, I'm not here just serving God because of what he can do. I'm here because I want God. I'm not living my life for God because I know what he can do. I'm living my life for God because I want him. And I know that's the same for you, but it's, it's crucial that we understand sometimes why we do what we do. Why are we living for God? Why are we believers? Why are we Christians? Why do we go to church enough for you The watching it online? Why do I take the time to invest in this relationship with him? Is it because I know that he can give me stuff? Or do I simply just want him? You know, you can even think of that even from a natural relationship that you have, you know, husband and wife or a close friend or a relative or so. You know, you don't want just that relationship because of what that person can give you. You want that relationship because you want the person. Well, how much more we want our heavenly father, not just because of what he can do. We want him because of who he is. And this is what the psalmist is saying. He said, Lord, I'm coming after you with all of my being to seek your face. And what does that mean when you hear those words, seek my face? Well, when you seek the face of God, you're actually seeking out his character, his ways, right? The way that he operates instead of just seeking his hands because his hands simply represent what he does or the provision he provides because of who he is. Now, thank God that God is a giver. That's who he is. But more importantly, I want to get connected to the giver himself, not just what happens as a result of the giving. If You know what I mean, right? You can just type amen on that and we'll pick up what we're throwing down on this. But this is so important. This is why we're serving God. We're here because we wanna know him, we wanna know his ways. This is a prayer of my heart. This is something that I do on a regular basis is even going through those Ephesians prayers, especially in Ephesians chapter one, like, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Lord, I wanna see you for who you really are. I wanna know you intimately. And this is something that I, I strive after, and I know you do the same, that you are just striving for a relationship with others not just to know about God, but to know God intimately. And that's what this whole thing is about. God is a relationship God. And he loves you. He sent Jesus to die for us to be in close relationship with him. You know, the Lord had said this to me one time. He said that I paid way too high of a price for you, talking to me, for you to get secondhand information. Simply meaning that I don't have to depend on another preacher to all of a sudden hear from God. God paid a tremendous price to talk to me on the inside. And isn't that wonderful news that God's not waiting for you to... to, God's not just waiting to talk to you through somebody else. He wants to talk to you directly. That's who our Father is, and I love that about him. He's so personal. So wherever you are right now, just know this, that God desires to speak to you and have relationship with you personally. That is wonderful news. The God of the universe desires that for you and I. Now, in talking a little bit about this, you know, one thing in in honor... One of the things that we really have to understand is, is that, maybe you've probably figured this out by now, but God is not going to jump in your boat and get with your thinking. God's not going to you know, get off of what he's doing, come into do what you and I are doing in our way of thinking and start operating from there. No, we got to learn to go with God's ways. And it's so crucial. This is why we're taking this time to actually settle down and get it established inside our hearts and in our minds that we are people of honor and understanding the ways of God concerning honor because you and I, we have to come on board with him. God is not going to leave what he's doing, his ways of operation to meet you and I, whatever we would like to think. We have got to go along with what God says. You know, in Amos chapter three and verse three in the New Living Bible, it says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And the answer to that question simply is no. If there is no agreement, if there is no, you know, two people coming together and making a solid agreement, you cannot move forward in the same direction with that individual. Well, it's the same way with God. Can you walk with God unless you be in agreement with God? The answer is no. No. And I know sometimes that may be hard for a lot of people in their understanding, you thinking you're walking with God, but in reality, anything that's contrary to God's ways or his thinking, you're not actually walking with him. So it is crucial that you and I we make the adjustments in our lives to line up our thinking, to line up our lifestyle, to go with what he says in his word. And I want to, you know, I'll just give you a little you know, natural example of this. You know, we have to make adjustments. And you know, you know, chiropractors, if you ever had to make any physical adjustments to your body, you sometimes people go see a chiropractor, right? And you kind of get cracked here, stepped on there and, <laughs> and what's happening, you're getting straightened out, right? And that's, that's good. Sometimes people really need to do that. You go for them and you get that straightened out. And if we need that in the physical, how much more do we need that sometimes in our spiritual walk with the Lord is we got to get straightened out. Because you know what, if you leave those kinks and those pains and you kind of just neglect it over a period of time it's gonna cause other pain to other parts of your body. And so much is true in the spiritual world. You and I, we've got to make the spiritual adjustments so that we're not experiencing other pain in our lives simply because we refuse to adjust in other areas in our life. So what we are doing right now is we are taking the time to make adjustments in our life to make sure that our thinking, to make sure that our ways of living line up with how God told us to live and live our lives. Right. That's that's exactly what we're doing. So how do I make adjustments or how do I get on God's side if I can't just do my own thing? Okay, what do I need to do? Here it is. You need to have an exchange of thinking, exchange of thoughts, your thoughts for God's thoughts. I'm exchanging the way I think, my ways of living, the way that I was brought up, if it doesn't line up with the word, I'm bringing everything to the God and I'm allowing God to now reteach me his way of living. And that's how we make this great exchange. That's how we make adjustments. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse two, in the New Living Bible, it says this, don't copy, I'll just pull it out here. Don't copy. Uh, The behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So total change in my life. Anybody want transformation? Anybody want to see changes happening in their life? I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Absolutely. I want to be transformed. What am I being transformed in? I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus. This is my goal. I'm not competing against anybody. I'm not trying to be like another pastor. I'm not trying to be like another Christian. I'm not trying to be like another individual on this planet. My goal in my life is to look more and more like Jesus, more and more like Christ. And I know we know that as believers, but how does that happen? Is it just by osmosis? If I just kind of fall asleep and, you know, I lay on my Bible, eventually I'm going to start looking like him. No, it's intentional. It's an intentional exchange that I'm intentionally going to the word and finding out his ways. And that's what we're doing even concerning the life of honor, right? So it's a great exchange that takes place. So total change in my life comes how? By exchanging my thoughts with God's thoughts. That's how a total makeover is going to happen in your, in my life. A total transformation. How is it going to happen? By exchanging my thoughts with God's thoughts, So a question I want to just ask you this morning is, who is influencing your thought life? Because if we don't intentionally make time to be with him, talking Jesus and his word, and allow it to shape our thoughts, by default, the world and its ways are molding us into its customs and to its behaviors. So we've got to understand if we're not going to this word intentionally, something, someone else out there is influencing our thought life. And so we've got to be intentional about this because I want to just share this other quick reality with you. Anytime that our thinking is contrary to what the word says, we are wrong. I want to say it one more time. Anytime that our thinking is contrary to what the word of God says, guess who's wrong? It ain't God. God doesn't know how to lie. God has never been wrong in his entire life. So who's wrong? It's you and I. So this is why it's important for us to get his ways. And another reason why we're just bringing this up because God's ways and God's wisdom of how he does things is totally opposite to the way the world does things. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter one, turn there real quick with me, uh, verse 21 through 25, and I'm reading to you from the New Living. It says, since God and his wisdom saw to it That the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So we can see right here God's ways. You can see it. One of the ways that God, right here, one of his ways of operating. You and I, we got saved. How do we get saved right here that we just saw? Through the simplicity of the preaching of the gospel. You heard the good news of Jesus, and what happened, you responded to that good news by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the result is you got saved. Now, God's ways for salvation is the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Now, if we were to look at mankind's ideas for salvation or getting saved, you'd hear about works, you'd hear about you've got to be a good person, you've you got to do good deeds, you've got to just be nice to people. And they lay out all these things about me, 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 me. That is not God's way. So what you and I, we came to the realization, or maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel. We're glad that you tuned in. The gospel is not about what you've done. The gospel is about what Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what this is all about. That God now has chosen that to be the way to salvation. Now we can say, what do we do about that? We got to simply humble ourselves and we just have to simply say, yes, I agree with that. So rather than, no, it's not about what Jesus did, it's about my work, it's about my work. You can see you're kicking against God's ways and it will not work. God has made a path. This is how it's going to work for salvation. And you and I, we have to comply with the ways of God. And in doing so, what happens? You're saved, right? And so this is what we have to do in every area of our lives. It is vital that we just stick with God. Since God... The Creator knows how to save all of us for eternity; He knows how to live this life, and so again god's not out here to make it difficult for us God's not here to you know make us a bunch of robots no that's not the case, but he's a good Father, and He has paved out a way of living. He knows how to live rich. He knows how to live blessed. He knows how to enjoy relationships. He knows how to enjoy peace, joy. I mean, he is all these things. So he knows the best way for you and I on how to live. And so this is why we're taking time to establish God's ways or heaven's culture into our minds so that it becomes a part of our thinking and therefore our lifestyle. And the result is, is that we will greatly benefit from it. You know, because ultimately, John 10, 10, this is God's will for us. It says that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Man, the New Living Bible says that they would be richly satisfied in this life. God's design for you. Yes, you, all right? Where you're sitting, right where you're at today, where whenever you're watching this, God's desire for you is that you enjoy this life in full abundance in every area of life. That's his will for you and I. And since that's his will, he's also laid out the pathway for us to enjoy that life. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by just throwing a prayer out there. It happens by you and I simply changing the way that we think to line up with God's ways, and in doing so, the blessing is already on God's ways. See, a lot of times you find this and maybe you've, you've said it or maybe you've experienced some, some conversations with other people like this but the people are going, oh God, this is the way I'm going. I just ask you to bless the way that I'm going. Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Lord, just bless my steps. Bless my path. You know, if you get on God's ways and we're talking specifically here on the life of honor, if you start living the life of honor, that way is already blessed. You won't have to constantly be praying, oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me. When you're in his plan, when you're in his way Living the way that He marked it out for you and I, guess what the result is? The blessing is already on it. So that's why we're taking time not just to hear all the benefits of God, although those are amazing and we'll continue to talk about those. We need to know the ways of God so we can experience these benefits on a regular basis. That's the will of God. You know, this is that God never intended for His children to live from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. His will for you and I is that we live an abundant life right? Simply, what is a miracle? Thank God for miracles. I believe in miracles. And really, what is a miracle? It's really just to restart what was all lost to get you back on track again, right? But that's not God's will that all of a sudden things go bad and you need a miracle to bail you out again. No, he wants you to live a consistent, abundant life. That's his desire. Now, of course, in saying that, I'm not saying that everything in life is just easy. Everything just comes to you on a platter and, you know, there are going to be no attacks coming your way. That's not what I'm saying because what I am saying is is that this is God's will, so I refuse to settle and I refuse to let anything out here dictate and tell me what I can and cannot have, right? That's a good father that we have. I know let's just air five for a sec, right? Just boom. One more time. Boom. Yeah. It feels good. This is truth. This is the word of God. So, We're talking about honor. Everybody say it with me. Honor. Honor. God is a God of... Say it with me. Honor. Yes, He is. I want you. If you're watching, write that in. He's a God of honor. Honor, 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 honor. We've got to get that. His ways is ways of honor. You know, I read this scripture, Psalm 111, verse 3. It says, His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. And so since God is an honorable God... His children, you and I, ought to be honorable children. No, Ephesians 5 tells us to be imitators of God. And this is what we're here on this earth is to actually imitate who our Father is. And so again, we're taking this time to see honor who our God is and therefore seeing it in our lives. So again, let's talk about why honor. I want to just simply answer that question, okay? Why are we talking about honor? Why honor? Well, simply with honor comes great reward. Great reward. So let's go here. Go to 2 John, and there's only one verse in 2 John, or sorry, one chapter, I mean, in 2 John, and I'm going to read to you from the Passion Bible, and I'm going to just turn it here to in in this one as well. 2 John, verse 8, in the Passion Bible, it says, Be on your guard so that you do not lose all that we have diligently worked for, but receive a full reward. Now, the first phrase I want you to notice again, it says, be on guard or look to yourselves. Other, uh, you know, throughout the word of God, you see this quite often, but watch out or stay alert. Whenever you see these types of phrases, know this, that it is your and my responsibility. You know, in the kingdom of God, and while we're here on this earth, there is God's side and then there's our side. There's always two parts to every equation. God will always do his part. We've just got to make sure we're living out our part as well, Right. That's that's how God laid this whole thing out. And again, that's what we're talking about an honorable life. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what am I on guard for in my life? Right? If John, the apostle John tells us, be on guard. What's he saying? Why am I on guard? That I will re- receive a full reward for my life. Now, anybody interested in a full reward, right? And if you actually look at this out, you can see this. If there's full rewards, that means there can be partial rewards, that means that there could be no rewards, and there can be full rewards. I don't know about you, but I want the full reward. So it's my job to make sure that I align myself up with God's ways in order that I receive my full reward. I'm going to be on guard to make sure that every area of my life, I want to ensure that I'm making my life choices, that they are properly connected to the Word of God. So that when my defining moment comes, I'm ready. I've already built, uh, you know, I've made good choices consistently that I'm going to continue to make the right choices to go with God's word. Why is this so important? I mean, we, we got to understand why is this important that I continually make good choices? Why is it good, important that I be on guard? Because God is a rewarder. We have to be reward conscious. Again, looking at 2 John verse 80, it says, Be on guard so that you do not lose... All that you have diligently worked for. You've worked hard. You've followed God. You've obeyed his word. You've done his word. You've carried it out. So the apostle, he's telling us to be on guard so that you don't lose what you've worked so hard for, but that you receive a full reward. Now, remember, we talked about this real uh, briefly last time, but God is a rewarder. He loves to reward his children. And it's good for you and I to actually become reward conscience. We have to remember that. You know, I remember, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 17 talks about David and Goliath. And what happened with David and Goliath? I mean, we know the story to it. But even back up before that, you know, when David showed up there and he said, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he can talk about our God like that? Who does he think he is? And then all of a sudden, he heard a few little talks going around that, the Israeli camp. And they were just saying, anybody that defeats the giant, what's he going to get? You're going to be tax-free and you're going to get the king's daughter. Woo, well, that got David's attention. And not only did he ask once, he asked three different times, What's the, what does the person get who kills this giant? And each time he heard the same thing. You're going to get be tax-free, and you're going to get the king's daughter. Man, and so he's kind of looking, yeah, like this is going to be good. David was also very much reward conscience. And so you and I, we've got to have that same consciousness on the inside that what we're doing today, every time you choose to go with God, every time you choose to obey his word and follow out God's word in your everyday life, the result is God is going to reward you. And we read verse after verse last week that not only are we gonna receive rewards in heaven, thank God that's true, but you're also gonna receive rewards down here on this earth. And there was many verses. If you you missed last week, again, you can go back into our Facebook and you can find that out in there or go on our podcast, we have those all available for you. Because it's so crucial that we understand God is a rewarder. He loves to reward his children the same way any natural parent, any good natural parent that's on this earth loves to reward their children if you do good things, get the, guess what the result is? You get rewards, right? And here's the thing. I don't reward my children for not doing what I ask them to do. Why is that? Well, because you can get rid of incentive. I mean, you know, incentive is a good thing, right? If I'm going to be obedient to God, if I'm going to live out my days, being a doer of this word, obeying him to the best that I possibly can, I'm going to get rewarded for that. I want a rewarding life. How about you? Say it, I want a rewarding life. I want my life to be rewarded. I want my life to count. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to continually to be diligent to make sure that my choices are lining up with the word of God because I want the reward. And there is nothing wrong with being reward conscious in this. That's why I'm doing it. This is why I'm continually preaching this gospel. This is why you show up every Sunday. You're going to see us here. This is what God has asked and called me to do. Therefore, I'm going to do it. Why do I do it? Yes, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be the blessing to others and reach people with the gospel. But I'm also doing it because I have to be obedient to him. And when I'm obedient to him, I'm going to get rewarded out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's in fact a good thing. And that's what God tells us to do. So now let's look at this here. Talking again about a full reward, a partial reward, or no reward. Now, I want to just talk about all three of these instances, and I want to show them to you from the scriptures, just different examples and different times of when you saw this happen. And I want to start with number one, a partial reward. So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 6, and let's begin here, talking about a partial reward. Now, again, as you're turning there, I want you to think, man, I I don't want a partial reward. I don't want no reward. I want the full reward reward i want the full reward and here we go mark chapter 6 verse 1 it says jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to nazareth his hometown the next sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed they asked where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles then they scoffed he's just a carpenter oh man, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now, I want you, I want you to focus your attention. I want you, if you got a Bible there, I, I really want you to see this. It's, it's crucial that you set your eyes on this. Look again at verse five. And it says, um, and because of their unbelief, notice that word that he says right there. He couldn't do any miracles among them. No, I have another translation here. It says, Now he could do no mighty work there. I want you to stop and think about that for a sec. Jesus, he could do no mighty work. The Bible doesn't say that he would not do any mighty work, it says he couldn't do any mighty work. Again, I want to read that one more time to you. Jesus could do no mighty work. What's the difference? Why do, I, why do I bring this verse out? Because if it read that Jesus would do no mighty work, that deals with the will of Jesus. But because the word of God says that he could not do any mighty work, that means that Jesus wasn't withholding. It means that he was restrained. Man, that is powerful. He was restrained. What does that word restrain mean? "Restrained" simply means to be controlled or to be kept under. Jesus, or simply he was put in a box or he was limited. When you restrain somebody, you are basically, you control them or you put them in a box and you limit them. So Jesus in this setting, right where we just read in Mark chapter six, Jesus was controlled. Jesus was limited and he couldn't perform any mighty work. Why couldn't Jesus perform any mighty work? Look at this. Go back to verse 2 again. Let's read this. I'm going to pull it to you from the Passion Bible here. It says, On the Sabbath he went to teach in the synagogue, and everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said to themselves, What incredible wisdom has been given to him? Where did he receive such powerful insights? And what mighty miracles flow from his hands? Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? And don't, don't his sisters live here among us in Nazareth? And they took offense at him. Now, verse four, this is key. says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is treated with honor everywhere, except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house. So I want to answer a two-part to this question. Why couldn't Jesus do any mighty work? Number one is the people in his hometown, they didn't recognize Jesus for who he is. They saw him according to his upbringing. You know, for example, isn't this Mary's son, right? Now, Jesus, wasn't that the same? That He was in my son's math class. Or, hey, he was in my daughter's science class. Or, hey, my my kids play soccer together. We've been over to his place for lunch. They didn't, they knew him only according to their upbringing. They had created, now what has happened in that, in his hometown, these people had created in their mental image of how the coming Messiah would appear from their understanding in the old testament and of course you know we see this in luke chapter 4 you don't have to turn there but verse 18 jesus said the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me and he lifts off to preach the gospel to the poor and to recovery of sight to the blind and you know deliver those that have been held captive and he reads on and reads on now this from this verse of scripture they went through isaiah continually and now Jesus finally did the big mic drop when he said, Now this verse, this scripture that you've just heard, has been fulfilled in your ears. And the moment he said that, man, it says that they took offense at him. is isn't that, isn't this the same Jesus that we we, man? I saw him, you know, he made that table for us. And that's how he put our chairs together. What, what are you talking about? Jesus, now you are the Messiah? Because in their mind, they had read and have heard Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven. You know scriptures we read at Christmas time, where they say, "For us a son has been given to us, and the government's going to be upon his shoulders." They were expecting a coming king, a Messiah who's going to come and you know deliver them from their oppression under the Roman government. That's how they thought. And not only that, so they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. They just they judged them according to his upbringing. Well, secondly, now I also want to make mention of this that the Pharisees, they did the exact same thing. <laughs> they were looking for a conquering Messiah, one who would come so powerfully to deliver Israel from Roman oppression. And they simply mocked Jesus because he was an untrained man. Who is this? Where does he get his learning from? And they continually questioned his authority. They questioned where he came from. Again, because they were looking, they had built up in their mind what the Messiah was going to look like when he came. Now, All of Nazareth, his hometown, didn't recognize him. The leading priests of that day had no idea who he was. And during that time, Jesus was performing mighty miracles. He was opening up blind eyes. He was raising up, you know, people that were paralyzed. He was touching the lame, and the, those that, the mute, those that couldn't speak, opening up ears. This is what Jesus does. This is who he is. And in amongst of all of these amazing miracles, they didn't recognize him. Rarely, they didn't want to see it. And on the other end, just to give you a little example of this, there was a man named Simeon who recognized Jesus as the Messiah when he was a baby. You know, it says this about Simeon, uh, Luke chapter 2, 25 through 27. It says that he was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure, and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. For the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before the Messiah, the anointed one of God, before he saw him. Verse 27, for this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved upon him to be in the temple court at the very moment jesus's parents entered to fulfill the requirement of the sacrifice okay so what's what's the difference here why, why do i bring this up well all of nazareth his hometown didn't didn't recognize jesus for who he was the leading priests that we would say the church folk of the day had no clue who he was and jesus performed mighty miracles among them how could they not see it and meantime An elderly man, a gentleman, Simeon, very advanced in years, recognized Jesus when he was a baby. What's happening? Well, for one, God is a spirit and those who would want to know him and his ways must know him by his spirit. This is why it's so crucial that we understand that we are led by the spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us and he's there to lead us and guide us into all truth. Right? The Pharisees, what they do, they mentally assented to the scriptures rather than relying on the Holy Spirit's leading. They didn't know God with their hearts, but simply they knew the word or the Torah by their own reasoning. There is a key difference between Simeon and the Pharisees, and this revelation right here will bring understanding to why so many do not receive their full inheritance from God, which... Now leads us to our second point of answering the question. And the question again we're answering is, um, why couldn't Jesus do any mighty work? Number one is because they didn't recognize him for who he was. And number two now is they didn't honor Jesus. And we saw that in uh, Mark chapter six and verse four. Jesus simply said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. He wasn't honored. So why is it that Jesus couldn't do any mighty work? Because he wasn't honored. And that word honor in the Greek is the word timi, right? And if you see it, it's T-I-M-E, but it's pronounced timi. And simply the, the basic word to describe it in our English language is to value. Other definitions simply say appreciation, to esteem, to respect. This is what this word honor means, that you, have, that you view Jesus as precious. He's valuable to you. Why couldn't he do any mighty work? because he wasn't valued where he was now sometimes to understand a word you have to look at the opposite and so the antonym of honor is dishonor now i know you may have heard this but i really want this to sink down on the inside of you jesus didn't say he wouldn't do any mighty work it says he couldn't and this is why i want to answer a question is there some areas in your life that jesus actually can't do any mighty work in our lives because if that's the case, then we need to go back to this very foundation here. Do we honor him? Do we esteem him? Do we value him? Do we respect him? Because if we don't, it's not that God's going, hmm, you don't respect me? Well, I'm not going to talk to you. No, that's not it at all. He is a loving God, wants to continue to do good. That's who he is. He can't. That's a totally different ballgame compared to, nope, Jesus said I won't do it, or he can't do it. And now again, that answer for dishonor Is the Greek word atimia, and the meaning for this word is simply to show no respect or no value? Now here's here's another one I want you to hear. Is to treat as common or, or ordinary. To treat someone as common or ordinary. Now here it is. The people of Nazareth withheld honor from Jesus. They didn't treat Jesus as valuable or precious. Rather, they saw an ordinary man, a common local boy standing in front of them. Because they saw him like this, they only received a partial reward because Jesus was restrained. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, filled with God's spirit without measure, was sent by God to heal, to deliver all those that were oppressed of the devil. He could not fulfill this commission in his hometown, not because it wasn't God's will, but because they restricted him by withholding honor all that he could do was lay hands on a few people maybe a couple headaches were were healed a couple bad backs were healed or something like that but that's it compared to what this man could have done compared to what God himself would desire to do what the Son of God Son of Man wanted to do he was restrained because there was no honor so what happened they got a partial reward this is something we got to make mention in our lives we got to understand this am I esteeming this word am I valuing this word am I holding this word up with great respect because If I am, then guess what? Then I'm not restraining Jesus. I'm not tying his hands behind his back. Guess what do I I need a Jesus that's fully able to reach me, that has both hands ready extended towards me. This is what you and I need in our day and in our life. So the question we have to ask is, am I honoring the Lord? And again, that's a partial reward. The next one I want to show you is no reward situation. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And we'll go here for a moment. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. And I'm reading to you from the New Living again. And it says this, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. Now notice this part. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Excuse me, no other translations actually say that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, again, we have to define who are the them that they're talking about. Well, right here, the them that they're discussing is the teachers, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, they were all there and they came from all these different cities to show up. And so they're sitting in this house with Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by many many religious leaders many pharisees many teachers of the law and it says that the power of the lord was present to heal them that's what the word says to heal them right who's the them it's all those leaders all those pharisees that's what they wanted to do now it says verse 18 some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the men, "'Young man, your sins are forgiven.'" Verse 21, "'But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, "'Who does he think he is?' That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, just put a quick time out there for a second. We're at Luke chapter 5, verse 21. You know, in the Gospels, you see this also in Matthew chapter 9. You see it in Mark chapter 2. And I want you to just look at this for a sec. Because it's not that these Pharisees, they jumped up and started, you know, saying nasty things to Jesus when he said this to that paralyzed man. You know, Matthew's account, Matthew 9, verse 3. It says that the Pharisees said within themselves... Mark chapter 2 and verse 6, it says that they reasoned in their hearts, asking those questions Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can do that. So I want you to notice that the religious leaders, as I said, they didn't yell nasty things at Jesus, they didn't criticize him aloud. They dishonored Jesus with their thoughts. They spoke within themselves. And this just leads to a really good point. Honor is given, yes, in action, indeed but also in word and in thought. These men, these Pharisees right here, they dishonored Jesus, not necessarily with a loud voice. They dishonored him or lightly esteemed him or showed little respect for him with their thoughts. Now I want you, I'm going to read Mark's, uh, Mark's account of this. Mark chapter two, eight, verse 11. I want you to see Jesus' response to them. Says Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? It is easier to say, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Now, right after this took place, I'm picking up again in Luke chapter 5. Immediately, uh, as, the man, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Verse 26, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. But notice this, the paralyzed man got up and walked. All the Pharisees were amazed and glorified God, but not one of them was healed. These men received no reward because they dishonoured Jesus in their thoughts, even though Jesus was there to heal them man i I hope that you're getting this this is This is crazy to see that man the first one we saw that there was they had they withheld honor from Jesus. And so what happened? They got a partial and only a few things happened. But now in this case right here, the Lord, his power was present to heal all those Pharisees that were sitting in this room. Yet not one of them received their healing. And I know this, that there were many times, there were those men that were in that room that day, many of them needed healing, whether it was in their physical bodies, whether it was in their soul, they they needed something because the Lord doesn't waste anything. The Lord doesn't waste any kind of good and so when it says the lord's healing power was there to heal them somebody needed it but yet they went without because they dishonored jesus in their thought life this is big this is huge and now last but not least the exciting part the full reward and i want to show you this case matthew chapter 8 verse 5 Let's turn there real quickly. Is this, is this blessing you? I want to just type amen or yes, this is helpful. I, I want us to see this because you and I, I want us to experience a full reward. And how do I experience the full reward that God has for me? Honor. Honor, 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 honor. And of course, as the weeks go on, we're going to get deeper into this. I'm just showing you examples from the scriptures, what we see, that there's partial rewards, that there's no rewards. And here we're going to see a full reward of an individual who simply honored Jesus. And the result is he got what he came for. And in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, let's begin begin there in verse 5. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and is in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Now, verse 8, the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this. Because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have given authority, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Now, I want to stop there for a sec, and I want you to look again at verse 8 and 9. Because right here in verses 8 and 9, the centurion explained how and why what he asked for is going to work. Right here, we see it. It's right here. Verse 8, again, the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just stop there for a second. This is a Roman soldier. And the Romans at this time had conquered Israel. This is a conquering soldier saying to a conquered Israelite, a conquered Jew, saying, I'm not worthy to come into your home. Right? If we were to bring it kind of into modern day, you know, it'd basically be like someone, uh, you know, a U.S. military, you know, soldiers that have gone into Iraq that have, you know, conquered Iraq, coming in there and just basically saying, uh, you know, saying to an Iraqi plumber, I'm not worthy to come into your home. It's the conquered coming into the conquering, saying, I'm not worthy. Right off the bat, we see right here what respect, what honor you see from this Roman soldier that he gave to Jesus. Right? Can you see that? I'm not worthy to come even into your home. He said, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Now look at these words. I know this. What does he know? I know that if you just say the word, I know that he will be healed. Now I want you to see the confidence that this centurion, this Gentile, this Roman had. He knew this was going to work. Why? Because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. So how did he know it's going to work? Let me just list it off for you. Number one, he had the respect and obedience of his soldiers because he honored his commanding officer by submitting to his authority. Okay, you get in this number two. The centurion, he enjoyed the backing of his superior officer who in turn was backed by the authority of Rome. Kind of just to simplify this a little bit. The centurion would be saying this. I have authority because I honor my country, and my superiors by respecting their authority. So all I have to do is speak a word and those under me respond immediately to my directives. Now, the centurion recognized the authority of God on Jesus. The centurion knew Jesus exercised authority in the unseen realm just as this centurion exercised authority in the military realm this is why the centurion understood all that jesus needed to do was give a simple command and the infirmity would have to obey how do you know that because this guy would say to to one of his um officers that was under him come and he would come so it was no different than those under his authority responding quickly to his orders now he knew all this Right, He knew this. And look at Jesus' response in verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. That is a huge statement. He's saying this, a Gentile who has not heard as many scriptures from the Old Testament. He said right here, what Jesus just said right here, I haven't... He's got more faith than John the Baptist. He's got more faith than my mother. He's got more faith than all the disciples. He's got more faith than anybody in the whole nation of Israel, including all the Pharisees, including all the religious leaders. Why? Why could Jesus say this? Why did he have great faith? Why was this centurion? Why did he have such great faith? Because the honor that he extended toward Jesus and his understanding of authority put him in a place to simply receive what he asked for this right here is the full reward this man received his full reward because he gave honor to jesus and understood authority his regard for authority revealed a foundation of respect in his heart so the root of his motivation was honor this is what this man did. And I mean, there's, there's more, but for time's sake, I'm not going to get into it. But you can also look, I believe Matthew chapter 15, the Syrophoenician woman, she came and got her full reward because she continued to honor Jesus regardless of what he said to her. This is so crucial that we understand we got to continue to be people of honor and who Jesus is. I mean, he's the simple, right here, we, as we read it, the full reward comes to those who simply honor and they know the authority. And this is what we're going to talk about in coming weeks. That we understand authority. Church, it's, it's time that we understood authority. Especially in the culture that we live in. Man, there is no understanding of authority. It's, it's not prevalent. It's not taught. In fact, it's actually encouraged to rebel against authority. You see it. You see it in chants. You see it in messages. You see it all over. It's everywhere. And it's the norm of today, but not so in the church. We continue to be people of honor. And that's going to be a distinguishing mark between us and the rest of the world. We're here to be salt. We're here to be light. Because again, remember, when you fully reward or sorry, when you fully honor, you get the full reward. Yes, in heaven, but also here on this earth. And people are starving for rewards. People are looking for their healing. People are desiring better outcomes in their life. And one of the areas that you and I, we've got to become people of is becoming people of honor. So I trust this was a blessing to you today. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. It was a pleasure and an honor to have you with us. And if you got any questions about Impact Life Church, if you're watching from abroad, or if you're in the city of Red Deer and wanna get to know, us more. Please come check us out. We are now open again on Sundays, and we'd be thrilled and honored to have you. We love you so much, and if you need prayer for anything, make sure you visit our website, impactlife.ca. Under that prayer tab there, we'll take requests. If you got questions, feel free to give us a call. If you want to know more about Jesus, this amazing Jesus that we love and serve, we want to help you on your journey because we are in this together. We're here to advance the kingdom of God together. We are here to establish a strong church on this earth, and we are people of honor. We love you, and we'll continue to see you throughout the week. Have a great day.